Section 34, Volume 2 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night. Translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2, Section 34. When it was the ninety-third night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when King Afridun heard these words, he fell into a fainting fit, with his nose under his feet, and as soon as he revived, fear fluttered the scrotum below his belly, and he complained to the ancient dame Sat al-Dabahi. Now this accursed old woman was a witch of the witches, past mistress in sorcery and deception, wanton and wily, deboshed and deceptious, with foul breath, red eyelids, yellow cheeks, dull brown face, eyes bleared, mangy body, hair grizzled, back humped, skin withered, and wan and nostrils which ever ran. But she had studied the scriptures of al-Islam, and had made the pilgrimage to the holy house of Mecca, and all this that she might come to the knowledge of the Mohammedan ordinances, and the miraculous versets of the Koran, and she had professed Judaism in the holy city of Jerusalem for two years' space, that she might master the magic of men and demons, so that she was a plague of plagues and a pest of pests, wrong-headed as to belief and to no religion fief. Now the chief reason of her sojourn with her son, King Hardub of Greece, was on account of the slave virgins at his court, for she was given to tribadism, and could not exist without sapphism, or she went mad. So if any damsel pleased her, she was wont to teach her the art of rubbing clitoris against clitoris, and would anoint her with saffron till she fainted away for excess of volupti. Hosu obeyed her, she was wont to favour, and make her son inclined towards her. But whoso repelled her, she would contrive to destroy. And so she abode for a length of time. This was known to Majana and Raihanan, and Utria, the handmaids of Abrisa, and their princess loathed the old woman, and abhorred to lie with her because of the rank smell from her armpits, the stench of her thistles more fetid than carrion, and the roughness of her hide coarser than palm-fibre. She was wont to bribe those who rub parts with her by means of jewels and instructions. But Abrisa held aloof from her, and sought refuge with the omnipotent, the omniscient, for, by Allah, right well quoth the poet, Who thou who growlst low before the great, nor over fording lesser men dost thou blench, who gildest dross by dirham gathering, no otter scent disguises carrion stench. And now to return to the story of her stratagem, and the woes of her working. Presently she departed, taking the chief Nazarenes with their hosts, and turned towards the army of the Moslems whereupon King Hardub went into King Afridun and said to him, O king, we have no need of the chief patriarch, nor of his prayers, but will consult my mother's counsel, and observe what she will do with her craft unending against the Moslem hosts. 
for these are marching with all their power. They will soon be upon us, and they will encircle us on all sides. When King Afridan heard this, terror took hold upon his heart, and he wrote letters, without stay or delay, to all the nations of the Nazarenes, saying, It behoveth none of the Messiatis or cross knights to hold back, especially the folk of the strongholds and forts, but let them all come to us, foot and horse, women and children, for the Moslem hosts already tread our soil. So haste, haste ye, ere what we fear to us here appear. Thus much concerning them, but regarding the work of the old woman Sat al-Dawahi, when she went forth from the city with her suit, she clad them in the clothing of Moslem merchants, having provided herself with an hundred mules, carrying stuffs of Antioch, such as gold-woven satins and royal brocades, and so forth. And she had taken a letter from King Aphrodon to the following effect. These be merchantmen from the land of Sham, who have been with us, so it besitteth none to do them harm or hindrance, nor take tax or tith of them, till they reach their homes and safe places. For by merchants a country flourishes, and these are no men of war, nor of ill-faith. Then quoth the accursed Sat al-Dawahi to those with her, Verily I wish to work out a plot for the destruction of the Moslem. Replied they, O queen, command us whatso thou wilt, we are at thy disposal, and may the Messiah never disappoint thy dealings. Then she donned a gown of fine white wool, and rubbed her forehead till she made a great mark as of a scar, and anointed it with an ointment of her own fashion, so that it shone with prodigious sheen. Now the old hag was lean-bodied and hollow-eyed, and she bound her legs tightly round with cords, just above her feet, till she drew near the Moslem camp, when she unwound them, leaving their marks deeply embedded in her ankles. Then she anointed the wheels with dragon's blood, and bade her companions beat her with a severe beating, and set her in a chest, and quoth she, Cry abroad the refrain of unity, nor fear from it aught of damage. Replied they, How can we beat thee, who be our sovereign lady, Sat al-Dawahi, mother of the king we glory in? Then said she, We blame not, nor deal reproach to him who goeth to the jakes, and in need evil becometh good deed. When ye have set me in the chest, take it and make it one of the bales, and place it on mule-back, and fare forth with it and the other goods through the Moslem camp, and fear ye no blame. And if any of the Moslems hinder you, give up the mules and their lading, and betake yourself to their king, Sao al-Makan, and implore his protection, saying, We were in the land of the infidels, and they took nothing from us, but wrote us a passport, that none shall do us hindrance or work our mischance. If he asks you, What profit had ye of your property in the land of Rome? Answer him, We profited in the deliverance of a pious man who had been bound down in an underground cell nigh fifteen years, crying out for help, yet none helped him. Nay, the infidels tortured him night and day. We knew not this, 
but after we had tarried in Constantinople for some time, having sold our goods and bought others in their stead, we determined on and made ready for a return to our native land. We spent that night conversing about our journey, and when day broke, we saw figured upon the wall a human form, and as we drew nigh it, behold, it moved and said, O Moslems, is there amongst you one who is minded to woo the favour of the Lord of the three worlds? How so? asked we, and the figure answered, Know that Allah hath made me speak to you, to the intent that your faith be fortified, and that your belief embolden you, and that you may go forth of the country of the infidels, and repair to the Moslem host. For with them wounds the sword of the compassionate one, of our age the champion, King Sharkan, by whom he shall conquer Constantinople town, and destroy the sect of the Nazarene. And when ye shall have journeyed three days, you will find an hermitage known as the hermitage of the ascetic Matruhina, and containing a cell. Visit it with pure intent, and contrive to arrive there by force of will. For therein is a religious from the holy city Jerusalem, by name Abdullah, and he is one of the devoutest of mankind, endowed with the power of working saintly miracles, such as dispel doubts and obscurity. Certain of the monks seized him by fraud and shut him up in a souterrain, where he hath lain a long time. By his deliverance you will please the Lord of faithful men, for such release is better than fighting for the faith. Now when the ancient dame and those with her had agreed upon such words, she said, as soon as that which I impart shall reach the ears of King Sharkan, say him further, Hearing this from that image, we knew that the holy man and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the ninety-fourth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the old woman Sat al-Dawahi and those with her had agreed upon such words, she said, Now as soon as that which I impart shall reach the ears of King Sharkan, say him further. Hearing these words from that image, we knew that the holy man was indeed of the chiefest devotees, and Allah's servants of purest qualities. So we made three days' march till we came in sight of that hermitage and then we went up to it and passed the day in buying and selling, as is the want of merchants. As soon as day had departed our sight, and night was come to darken light, we repaired to the cell wherein was the dungeon, and we heard the holy man, after chanting some verses of the Koran, repeat the following couplets. My heart disheartened is, my breast is straight, and sinks my soul in sea of bale and bait. Unless escape be near, I soon shall die, and death were better than this doleful strait. O lightning, and thou light my home and folk, and there still brighter charms thy shine abate. Say what my path to meet them, being bared by wars and barricaded succors gate. When once ye have brought me into the Moslem camp, and I mix with them, you shall see, the old woman continued, how I will make shift to beguile them, and slay them all, 
even to the last man. The Nazarenes, hearing what she said, kissed her hands and set her in the chest, after they had beaten her with a grievous beating in obedience to her commands, for they saw it was incumbent on them to do her bidding in this. Then they all made for the Moslem host, as hath erst been said. Such was the case with the damned hag Sat al-Dawahi and her companions. But as regards the Mohammedan army, they indeed after Allah had given them victory over their enemies, and they had plundered everything in the ships of money and hordes, all sat down to converse with one another, and Sa'u al-Makan said to his brother Sharkan, Verily Allah hath granted us to prevail because of our just dealing and discipline and concord amongst ourselves. Wherefore continue, O Sharkan, to obey my commandment in submission to Allah. Be he exalted and extolled, for I mean to slay ten kings in blood revenge for my sire, to cut the throat of fifty thousand Greeks, and to enter Constantinople. Replied Sharkan, My life be thy ransom against death. Needs must I follow out the holy war, though I wone many a year in their country. But I have, O oh, my brother, in Damascus a daughter, named Kutsiya Fakan, whom I love heartily, for she is one of the marvels of the time, and she will soon be of age. Said Sawal Makan, And I also have left my wife with child and near her time, nor do I know what Allah will vouchsafe me by her. But promise me, O oh, my brother, that if Allah bless me with a son, thou wilt grant me thy daughter for wife to him, and make covenant with me, and pledge me thy faith thereon. With love and good will, replied Sharkan, and stretching out his hand to his brother, he said, If she bring thee a son, I will give him my daughter Kusia Fakan to wife. At this Sawal Makan rejoiced, and they fell to congratulating each other on the victory over the enemy. And the Vasi Dandan also congratulated the two brothers, and said to them, Know, O ye kings, that Allah hath given us the victory, for that we have devoted our lives to him, be he exalted and extolled, and we have left our homes and households. And it is my counsel that we follow up the foe and press upon him and harass him so haply allah shall enable us to win our wishes and we shall destroy our enemies branch and root if it please you do ye go down in these ships and sail over the sea whilst we fare forward by land and bear the brunt of battle and the thrust of fight and the minister dandan ceased not to urge them to combat and repeated his words who said to slay my foes in chiefest bliss I wist, and on the courser's back be borne a list. Comes promising tryst a messenger from friend, full of when comes the friend withouten tryst. And these words of another. War for my mother, and I live, I'll take. Spear for my brothers, scimitar for sire with every shag-haired brave who meets his death, smiling till one from doom his dear desire. And when the wazir ended his verses, he said, 
Praise be to him who aided us dear victory to uphold, and who hath given us spoil of silver and fine gold. Then Saul Makan commanded the army to depart, and they fared on, forcing their marches for Constantinople, till they came to a wide and spacious champaign, full of all things fair and fain, with wild cattle frisking, and gazelles pacing to and fro across the plain. Now they had traversed great deserts, and drink had been six days cut off from them, when they drew near this meadow, and saw therein waters fountaining and ripe fruits daunting, and that land as it were paradise, for it had donned its adornments and decked itself. Gently waved the branches of the trees drunken with the new wine of the dew, and combined with the nectar of Tasnim, the soft breathings of the morning breeze. Mind and gazer were confounded by its beauty, even as saith the poet. Behold this lovely garden, tis as though spring over its frame her green cloak had spread. Looking with fleshly eye, thou shalt but sight a lake whose waters balance in their bed. But look with spirit eyes, and lo, shalt see glory in every leaf overwaves thy head. And as another saith, the streams a cheek by sunlight rosy dyed, whose down is creeping shade o' tamarisk stems. Round legs of tree trunks waveless roll in rings, silvern and blossoms are the diadems. When Sawalmakan saw this champagne, with its tree bowing, and its flowers blooming, and its birds warbling, he called to his brother Sharkan and said, O oh, my brother, verily in Damascus is not the like of this place. We will not march from it save after three days, that we may take rest ourselves, and that the army of Al-Islam may regain strength, and their souls be fortified to encounter the blamed infidels. So they halted therein, and while camping, behold, they heard a noise of voices from afar, and Sawalmakan asked the cause thereof and was answered that a caravan of merchants from the land of Syria had halted there to rest, and that the Moslem troops had come on them, and had haply seized something of the goods which they had brought from the country of the infidels. After a while up came the merchants, crying out and appealing to the king for agents. When Sawalmakan saw this, he bade them be brought before him, and, when in presence, they said to him, O king, we have been in the country of the infidels, and they plundered us of nothing. Why then do our brothers, the Moslems, despoil our goods, and we in their own land? Of a truth, when we saw your troops, we went up to them, and they robbed us of what we had with us, and we have now reported to thee all that hath befallen us. Thereupon they brought out to him the letter of the king of Constantinople. And Sharkan read it and said, We will presently restore to you what hath been taken from you. But yet it behoveth you not to carry merchandise to the country of the infidels. Replied they, O our Lord, in very sooth Allah dispatcheth thither, that we might win what Gehazi never won the like of, not even thou in all thy razzias. Asked Sharkan, What was it ye won? O king, answered they, we will not tell thee save in private, for if this matter be noised among the folk, 
haply it may come to the ears of some, and this will be the cause of our ruin, and of the ruin of all Moslems who resort to the land of the Greeks. Now they had hidden the chest wherein was the damned Sat al-Dawahi. So Sawalmakan and his brother brought them to a private place, where they laid bare to both of them the story of the devotee, and wept till they made the two kings weep. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section thirty-four of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Two. Read by Lars Rolander.